pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Seven six five four three two one. Hey guys, this is Liz Candace. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Esther Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Angel. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. Welcome back. 2021 is coming to a close, and you have all four hosts of WNBA Nation together with you for our our big uh, end-of-year episode. My name is Kyle Haywood, and I want to welcome all three of my co-hosts to the pod. All at the same time, Jason, Steve, Logan, how are we tonight, fellas? Welcome. Hey. I'm good, Kyle. What's up, friends? A belated St. Stephen's Day to you. <laughs> <laughs> it has... Uh, it's, we're, we're finally to the end of 2021. And um, our episode today is going to be talking about the top moments from WNBA and women's basketball across the board uh, of this year. And uh, I was I was extremely surprised with just the amount of quality moments that we witnessed this season and this year. So I can't wait to uh, to hop in and, and discuss all of this with all of you. Um but before we get rolling there, uh, rolling right into our list, I know and we're going to jump right into this because we just knowing the, the context of this episode and the content that we're going to be covering and with the four of us together is this might go a little, this might go a little long. Some of you are looking at the, the timing of this episode and I don't even know how long it is yet, but y'all are looking and going. That yeah. doesn't sound watch like us, this. Watch they, us be snappy as with this one. <laughs> this is going to be a 25-minute episode. Be 34 and minutes like flat, and we, we, yeah. get, we, we're in a tight half hour, nice polished. We're, we're in bed by <laughs> that would, 11. That would be so impressive. That would Nothing would impress me more than the four of us doing that with this, with this episode. Um, but before we do, uh, Logan, let's have you run down how everybody can interact with us. And uh, and get in contact with us and um, and interact with the show. Boom! Yeah. First things first. We are live streaming all of our episodes on Twitch. You can get on Twitch.tv/slash WNBA Nation. You can come subscribe, help the show out uh, via Twitch. You can also, if you have an Amazon Prime account, which let's be honest, most of you do, uh, you can get on and subscribe every month with your Amazon Prime account to our show. 
And that contributes monetarily to our show without taking any money out of your pocket, which is kind of nice. Um, but if you want to interact with the show more, uh, that's a great way to do it. We love taking questions and interacting with you guys while we record our episodes there. Plus, you get a little bit of a video element. Get to see how we're all growing out our holiday beards. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at WMA Nation Pod. Uh, we love interacting with you there. We'll obviously be keeping you up to date on the latest in full court shots on the playground and other women's basketball offerings for the offseason. If you haven't seen the Mrs. Fitz shot yet, uh, go go watch it. It's on our feed. Yep. Uh, Pause our show and go check that out right now. Literally, so. Yeah, literally just go find WMB Nation Pod on Twitter, click follow, watch the video, see the happiest <laughs> children you'll see all year. And then uh, jump back on the show because we'll tell you uh, more about what went on this season as well as ways that you can uh, help donate to grow the show. And we, lastly, we do have a merch page. Uh, if you want to, to get WMB Nation merch, Jason is going to have to tell you where that is because I'm blanking on what the merch page address is. WNBANation.StoreNV.com uh, you can check it out there, wnbnation.starv.com. And I'll throw one more out there. I'll throw one more out there. Our YouTube has been somewhat inactive for a while, but I'm starting to load clips from our Twitch uh, videos into YouTube. So they're shorter clips, about five to ten minutes. Uh, so if you're wanting snappier bits of uh, just our show and us chatting and stuff, that's that, check out our YouTube. It's uh, Just go to YouTube and type in WNBNation. We'll be right there. Well done, Logan, and with the input from Jason. I appreciate that. <laughs> Steve. Hi. Let's let's uh let's let's head over to you. Uh do you want to give everybody just a quick rundown of the idea behind this episode and why we're going to be discussing this uh here at the end of the at the end of the year? Basically what we're going to be doing tonight on our show. Yeah, really basic. This is the uh for uh, unless circumstances change in the next few days. This will be the last episode of the year 20 and 21 of WNBA Nation. Thus, it's just about time for us to discuss the top stories, moments, headlines, uh, memories of women's basketball from this calendar year between the WNBA, college and beyond. So uh, essentially how we were able to compile this setup, and this is what we've done the last couple of years, is each of the hosts has compiled their list uh, of of an arbitrary number, Jason has filed them through his personal algorithm and determined our top twenty one of the year twenty one yeah top um, twenty one moments of the year. So I see what you did there. That's how clickbait works. Um, yep. <laughs> Jason will uh, be coordinating this as of this moment. Jason is the only individual who actually knows what this list is. Uh, what is included and what's stat, you know, where they're, what ranking they fall under. And, uh, we m- wanted to give the disclaimer right off the bat. And for people watching live, I'll look into the camera. We're sorry. We got it wrong. Uh, we very much apologize <laughs> for all of those terrible snubs. Uh, we fully understand that we don't know anything about this sport and giving lists. And we also don't want me to be doing what I'm doing. And so that's out of the way. We're doing our best. We're having fun. And I'm sure your list is definitely absolutely on the button. Correct. Scientifically. And we would love for you to share that with the show. So whether that's on in a YouTube comment or on Twitter or mail it to us, if you'd like, let us know what your list is, what your favorite moments were legitimately. Cause it's fun to share yeah, and coordinate actually, that. No, we really this. do want that. We yeah. would love for you to do that, but we just want to make it clear right now. We, we know 
the how off this is going to be and what sins we've committed by leaving no. something, making it number two instead of number 48. And we're sorry about that. Um, and that's on, <laughs> that's on us. Um, Steve is being too humble because he knows we put together the perfect NBA, WNBA top 25 earlier this year. There was no, no contention whatsoever. Um, no, no disagreements on Twitter. Everybody was on board with it. They're like, those guys got it right. We, um, we definitely didn't all. have a professional wrestler come on the show and call us out for our picks. That didn't happen either. That's, that's the most hate that I've gotten on Twitter as a website. And I often spend time trolling anti-vaxxers. So. <laughs> 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 it, and by far that's the most backlash I've ever received I, like without question it's those passionate those passionate and I, and WNBA yeah, fans I man. would so much rather pe- people be up in arms about a, a WNBA list than have to worry about more serious stuff so why I not I love the passion come at me I love it yeah yeah. it's, it's become kind of I just, a legendary thing on this show but once once we didn't make like a South Carolina Asia Wilson highlight like one, the rookie one player time. of the week. And South Carolina Twitter found out and they came at us so hard. And I, <laughs> so I loved it. Like I like they there care is a, and and I love that. She they had care. like an okay week. She had like yeah. a like a she averaged like eight points and like six rebounds. We and some other rookies had really solid we weeks and we were like, oh like she's not made one her of the rookie options. of the week on our show almost every week. The rest of the season, <laughs> yeah, and that one time, we, they were one still, week she didn't get rookie of the week. They were still yeah. coming at us, even that still uh, told you she was better than Kia Nurse. We had an idea. <laughs> we agree. <laughs> I love it. She is. I love the passion. <laughs> like just, w- no. Nation Pod is our Twitter handle. You feel free to come with your list and and be ready. We're, we we want to see it. And in South Carolina's specific case, you freaking put that that woman up in bronze on your campus. You're allowed to yeah. defend your own. Uh, I just was yeah. like I, that to to this day. It doesn't quite happen as much anymore. But there was a good even like into the following season, we would get trickle down, uh, like comment. Just just yeah, weird, angry. Like like uh, we get it. We, we went one time. <laughs> so. But this, right. is, this is this is for good fun. I, I figured it's, out how to finally reverse jinx teams into the championship. So I got <laughs> I got your back. I got you. <laughs> it finally basically happened. Logan's going to be taking uh, major donations for him to <laughs> reverse jinx whatever team you want to make the WNBA finals. Um, so, so all that, you have to do is <laughs> you be can hit us up with that hypercritical of one team all year long to almost taking it personally and then pick the other team in the final <laughs> and it'll work. It's, it's a science. Obviously this is for fun. Uh, that, you know, this, this list is, <laughs> is a chance for us to just reflect on the year. This was a really nutty year coming out of a very unconventional year in 2020. We were still seeing some effect of that. And as I went through this list myself, it was, I, there were so many things that I went like, that was this year. Like it was crazy. Like I, I feel like we lived through like three different years, uh, yeah. just going through this one because there was just so much happening on the court, off the court at different levels, tons of stories. And there's stuff that was super high on my list that may not be high in other people's lists. And I'm intrigued at, just what memories people have and what they value and what they don't because everyone has a different lens. But one thing's for sure is that we just saw immense growth 
and an uplift yes. in energy toward women's yeah. basketball as a whole this year that I think is going to have a lasting effect for years, decades to come. Um, I think 2020, 2021 may very well be for a lot of reasons. And a lot of things we're going to discuss tonight may very well be that year where people can pinpoint and be like, like that's when the launching pad was getting built. And yep, that's when pretty cool. that was a turning point. Yeah. <clears throat> the, uh, I will say this as, and I'm, I, I'm sure that uh, some of the rest of you feel, feel similarly as I was ordering my list. That is where like putting something down on the list was easy. Ordering it was very difficult for me. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. in fact, there's several things toward the bottom of my list that started up towards the top and vice versa. And like, if, if my bottom of my list is Logan's like top three, like I, I, I probably get it because <laughs> there's, yeah, there's so many different. And honestly, it's a lot of personal, like emotionally, how did I individually feel about said moment, you know, and, and what, what do I value as a storyline? Etc. So I'm excited to see how this how this comes together. Jason's got our official list here, um, and we're going to start by hearing uh, of our top 21. We're going to hear numbers 21 through 16. Here we go, starting with numero 21. Sabrina Ionescu starts off the season with a clutch game winner and also a triple double. Number 20, the WNBA first round draft. Or the, the, sorry, the WNBA draft first round, um, and all of the unexpected chaos that that was. Number 19, Quigley once again reigns in the three point competition. Number 18, Jewel Lloyd catch and shoot in the, I believe, double overtime buzzer beater, uh, over Dallas in the regular season. Number 17, Team WNBA beats Team USA in the All Star game. And number 16, UConn goes on a 19 and 0 run to help defeat Baylor in an Elite Eight matchup. Oh, yeah. That I, is so many good moments. Yeah. That was a, that was a solid list. And honestly, a couple of those that I didn't have on my list just uh, that I kind of forgot about. And as Jason was reading those, I got really stoked <laughs> again about those. Like, so kicking off, kicking off the list with UNESCO is perfect because starting off this list with the same energy that that did to start off the season. Uh, was a big gift. I, that kicked off the year. I mean, that was like, holy crap, like this is happening. And it was for the, for the first time in a long time, it was like, oh, the Liberty have something. And it was just, uh, yes. uh, there was a lot of energy toward that. Um, I remember all of the, the emotion that came out of UConn Baylor. I mean, yeah, that was great. I, we literally I, watched I think, uh, the team USA team WNBA game. I, you yeah. know, I just, yeah. I, so if I know anything about this this group of hosts, it's that we all probably approach this list with like slightly different criteria. So I'll just mm-hmm. let you know mine right off the bat, since I recognize several of these as things that were on my list. Um, mine was very much like it wasn't about things that necessarily defined the year in basketball, but it was things that made this year super fun that I don't want to forget. Um, mm. And so like there are there are obviously like big things that we're going to get to in the top fifteen, but some of these are like things that I just don't want to like forget. Like I, I love that the Liberty kind of arrived at the start of this year and that, you know, whether they maintain that trajectory or not in the future remains to be seen, but they definitely were like a very fun storyline at the start of the the WNBA season. Obviously the elite eight game against Baylor, I mean, heartbreaking for Baylor and exhilarating for UConn fans, but 
nonetheless, like I, I think this year in momentum for women's basketball really started in the tournament because the elite eight and the final four and the championship game were all spectacular. Um, so I'm glad that those are on this list and everybody should go back and remember how fun those were. Quigs winning three point contest. Didn't think to put that one on my list. Love it. We were there. It was fantastic. I, you know, um, you know with, why, same you know why I, th- game. I think that might have skipped off people's lists was I, and I'm not saying this to be mean. One of the biggest bummer acceptance speeches I've ever heard in sports history, <laughs> where she yeah, steps up and is like, "Never do it again. I'll never do this like, again." Yeah. What? The, what? Why? Yeah, that was, Why? That was a bummer. We all love it. Yeah. Um, and I will say the the I, weirdest I, I, as chorus as, of boos I've heard my whole life <laughs> for a player everyone in that arena universally loves. I think I can yeah. say that with confidence. Yeah, and it was we a were chorus of boos out like, of love, which is rare. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, and I will say that of the clutch moments of the year, there's there's a bunch of clutch shots that I'm sure we're going to get to in the honorable mentions that didn't like define the year. But every bit of the Dallas Seattle three game oh. regular series um, was, was so fantastic. Good. And and the buzzer they, beater from Jewelloid was a true two seconds left catch and shoot from the inbounds pass thing of beauty. Super fun. The, I, the I best hope way in I remember seasons, we remember how good that I remember was. going back and watching that play. And legitimately, it, it it's so impressive because if she doesn't catch the ball, how she catches it, the shot doesn't go off. That's Great. how insane. It's also one of the best. Yeah, uh, it's works. one of the best calls of the year, broadcast wise. Like if you guys remember, just live. Like it's it's fantastic. I I love that play. Good good one worth remembering. It, but I I understand why there's like 15 mm, more momentous things that. And we are. I, we've already even brought it up on this broadcast, but like. It's hard for anyone who wasn't watching in real time to explain what an obscurely bizarre night the the draft was. That first round yes. is <laughs> one of the craziest experiences I've ever had because yeah. it was just you really you could not predict us from from pick 3 on you could not predict a single selection and almost no. none of them you saw coming. And it was no. just <laughs> Absolutely insane and super fun. And I, like, it was one of those yeah. situations of just, this is why we need, you know, 144 was a great documentary, uh, for, for the bubble. The next thing I need is like that hard knocks version of like, I want a documentary that just shows me the war rooms of those draft teams and how they're fine, like correlating these picks and everything <laughs> because it just, yeah. I was dumbfounded, but there's reasons for everything. That was such an insane night. It was. Yeah. That was, that no, was I, I way remember, obscure. I remember <clears throat> sit, like we were on that call and I haven't gone back and rewatched it. I'm sure I could, but I don't particularly want to. But, um, part of the reason is cause like once we got like to the end of the first round, I remember my commentary was basically like, I, I don't know. Like I, the people I thought should have gone, haven't gone and. Like, I just legitimately, like, that was my answer every time. Be like, who do we think Dallas is going to take? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Good guess. Like, I, I genuinely don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I, like, stopped having fun. Yeah. Not my I best commentary. Like, who freaking, yeah, who freaking knows yeah. anymore? I just was like, who even it, cares? Just, it, it was no longer a predictions episode and, and stream. It became just a reaction. All right. It, let's it just watch. Like, oh, wow. Okay. Like, we're going <laughs> to yeah. find out. We might as well watch. Like. <laughs> no, and it, but it was it was just it was insane, and I think it, I think we may be primed for a very similar experience in this next draft, and I just yeah, I'm already stoked. Yeah, 
Which will um, be streamed live on yeah, Twitch I think at twitch.tv slash WNBA Nation. <laughs> I think Sorry, the UConn over Baylor, yeah. I, I forgot about that individual, like, game. Like, I'm glad someone put that on their list because, like, that was a huge, huge game that just everybody was talking about. And I, I don't think that's going to be the last that we hear about the NCAA tournament from this last March and oh. slash April. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some other, uh, other entries here, but that Yukon Baylor game was absolutely nuts. Um, you know, Huge. Nelson Adota, uh, Beckers and, uh, Didi Richards. Yeah, I remember and, the like, Richards there's Melissa Smith. That, that really made the difference yeah. in the game. It felt like that was a big, that was one of the most exciting tournament games, men's or women's. I feel like I've watched in full. Um, yeah, just start. To it was. You knew it was going to be great. It was yep. absolutely wild. So that's a solid start to the list, Jason. Good work. Yes, yes. Not that you did all of that. <laughs> I guess good work to all of us. Congrats, <laughs> us. Go um, show. <laughs> We're go, so good. Go this. show. <laughs> go show. Um, all right, Jason. Go ahead and hit us with fifteen through eleven. Fifteen through eleven. At number fifteen, Candace Parker gets the two K cover. Number 14, Stanford wins the NCAA tournament. Number 13, mm. Stanford and South Carolina and their final four finish. Number 12, di- uh, the dominant Griner block uh, to eliminate the Aces in the playoffs. And number 11, yeah. the unveiling of Asia Wilson's statue. It is wild to consider so far. We've read 10 of these off. This is... Uh, I, we haven't even hit our top 10, and I'm already like thinking about how solid all of these moments were for women's basketball. Um, I currently have, I actually don't own an Xbox, but I bought a GameStop copy of NBA 2K22 simply just to have the <laughs> Candace Parker cover. That's yeah. like what people, what people who haven't listened to our show for, from the beginning um, need to understand is that the entire reason why we have this show and, and how this all came about was a discussion that Steve started about NBA Live, including the WNBA in their game. And what that Twitter discussion turned into, and then like that Twitter discussion leading to road trips and then a podcast. And here we are literally, um, you know, five years later still talking about all this. So yeah. I, I think that it was, it was such a, a big moment. I think for us, personally and us as a show to to recognize hey this is not just hey we're including it into a game but yeah. this is we've got this has got the cover you know and and Candace Parker and everything that surrounded her this season i think it's just very apropos that that sits uh, prominently there on our list yeah there's there's one that stands out to me in in this run of ones that i that i want to touch on for a minute and that's i, I want to talk a, a minute about Brittany Griner uh, who made a pretty a, like a pretty aggressive run at the MVP towards the end of the season and motivated that team, pushed that team to a finals run and ousted the aces in a really great series with a block that I think is like a career defining highlight. Like yes. the, the way that she played in the season and the postseason, especially after the Olympic break and then ending that really, t- it was a two point game. Asia Wilson drove to the rim, got blocked. It was, it was basically like that. That's the end of the season for the aces it felt to me like the way we're going to talk about Brittany Griner 
is either going to shift or it's finally going to match what we knew she was capable of all this time, but no, didn't necessarily see in the past couple seasons. So I was really yeah. excited to, to see that kind of earn a spot on this list, especially just because I think Phoenix's run to the finals deserves mention. It was one of the biggest storylines of the year. Um, and, and a lot of it was because of her. And I, I think if there wasn't a more obvious MVP, I mean, uh, I think John Quill Jones got like 47 of the 48 MVP votes. Like she was near unanimous MVP. If it wasn't such a obvious, like the sun have been the best team all year and she's been the best player with the best stats. Like it, it's pretty impressive to me that Griner actually like tried to make it a conversation. And uh, it was fun to see her kind of grow up this year after a lot of years wondering if the effort was there for her. Um, and it, it ended another year of the aces championship window a little bit early, which is something we're going to watch in the future. So. Yeah. I, the greater, I mean, that moment was insane and it's just one of those pieces that was indicative yeah. too, especially with Asia being involved, which takes me to this is I actually have two main thoughts. And one is this isn't a gripe, but this would be like, if I was listening to this list, I would jump in on this. And that's to me, the Asia statue is top five for me. Like by far, I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I legitimately, um, I look back at that moment and, and maybe it's because it's a literal beacon cause it's a statue. It's such a symbol of what this entire year was of just like, we're going to finally put this on the map. And that's what it felt like to me. The speech was amazing. Obviously the statue is maybe I'm overselling this word, but magnificent. It's a fantastic piece of architecture. And I can say that because I've seen very bad statues in my time. <laughs> uh, see Cristiano Ronaldo's first statue that went up. It's a problem, but like it's, it, it, that was huge for me. And then also the fact that like it, it was so nice to see, see an organization emblemize a female athlete who didn't have to go to the moon and back to get the type, that type of, of recognition, you know, at USC, uh, you know, the story of Cheryl Miller is almost mythic. She doesn't have a statue, right? And it's like, mm. you know, you kind of have you have Pat Summit and you have Age Wilson, and it's so it's it's kind of a, a really cool special thing. Now, this was a hard year because it was stuffed with so many iconic on court moments and off court moments. So, but that's where it sits me. But I gotta say that Stanford South Carolina finish is so good. Ooh. That yeah. it's a spot ahead of Stanford winning the championship, and I agree with it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, that's how I, insane I was that finish that was. Out too. Is that yeah. it? Yeah. It beats the team who won the title, and I totally agree with it because I went back and watched it last night, and I still have goosebumps. It's so insane, and it's funny because it's the most goosebumpy I've ever felt about a finish that wasn't a net positive because a basket wasn't made. It wasn't like a game winner. It's kind of a game loser, but it was, it was nuts because you're so used to the inbound foul go to the line that to see this like fumble to steal to like nearly miss a pass and then get the pass and then miss a layup. And then your a one steak sauce player is, is in position to win it all and, and it not go down. It was just, I remember I did. We were we on stream watching that. Or were we watching something the, else? The, I'm trying uh, to remember if we streamed I don't that remember one. If we were live, we I, I remember. remember just yelling at my screen <laughs> the entire time. It was insane. Uh, that finish was just so classic, and it like it just got me 
excited all over again, just especially with how Leah Boston's recovered from that and is how yep. well she's playing yep. this year. I'm just, I can't wait for March. Like I'll, it just it it gets you way. so excited for that, March. That final four has changed each of our real life plans this March. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, because basically like, right after so that happened, we, we all messaged each other like, we can't miss another Final Four. Yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> yeah, like, we, we have to be there. We got to do it. <laughs> um, that was, uh, it was awesome. So I'm, I, weirdly, wherever that was put on the list, the fact that it it's overseed Stanford winning the title itself, uh, it's almost fitting because like that moment was so freaking cool. And I, I think we're going to have some other call outs to that tournament. I'm hope, I, at least I hope, because I'm excited to talk about them, but. I'm glad we got a chance to emblemize that finish because it was just nuts. All right, Jason, let's go ahead and hit 10 through 6. Oh, for goodness sake. Uh, starting at number 10, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi's postgame interview after the Seattle Phoenix Ooh. playoff game. Number 9, mm-hmm. Seattle Storm winning the Commissioner's Cup, the inaugural Commissioner's Cup. Number 8, the NIL announcement and all that has come from that. Number seven, Kalia Copper finishing as the finals MVP. And number six, Ari McDonald's tourney performance uh, and all that that, that run was. Uh, so, yeah, that's our 10 yeah. through six. I, wow. I actually have a lot to un- the, unpack there. That's, I think, the one thing I have correct for some reason. I had Ari at six. Um, and this is at six. All of these could be top five spots. I think, yeah. I think you, you could argue a, a ton, lot of those. I might, there. this might sound really controversial. I probably still wouldn't put the Seattle in the commissioner's cup in my top five because the, of how the out, the, like the rollout of that and the aftermath mm-hmm. of it, that was really the last time we saw Seattle play great, but yeah, everything else. Yeah. Well, and, and the fact that Seattle and, and the sun at the time, that's we the final thought that that was going to be, like yeah. ooh, they're going to meet each other again in the finals, and we're going to see if there's like some some you know payback. For, yeah. <laughs> and then neither of them made the finals. All right, so we yeah, just yeah. like it was oh, nuts. okay. <laughs> um, the uh, K- Kalia Copper in the finals uh, MVP that was a yeah. huge storyline for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had that pretty high. I think that was maybe a top two or three moment for me. That and for some reason, um, because there was so much surrounding Candace Parker and. And there's so much story about her. And we mentioned a lot on this show that Candace Parker, like, gets all the pub. But this is Copper's team. Like, this is, like, she is the new, she's, she may not be what the media consider the face of the franchise. But those who watch, Copper is the future. And if not, well, and technically she's an unrestricted free agent this season. So, she's going to be a major face of this league moving forward. And a couple seasons ago, you would not have said that. So for her to ascend to leading her team into a fight to an actual finals victory, I think was a a massive accomplishment here on the store, the show historically, some of us have had like players whose early takes have almost become reputations for us where we've had to eat heavy crow. For instance, with Kyle, it's uh, Ariel Atkins. Atkins. <laughs> and for me, <laughs> yeah. for me this year, I, I was, I admit fully how wrong I was on Copper in that I thought she was playing well, but I very openly was not like I didn't have positive takes on her making the all-star team. I remember wanting certain people 
running on the all-star team and copper was kind of my next out. And then she shut me up right away. <laughs> and then she, be- and then, and then when the finals rolled up, I remember talking to you guys, we've talked a lot openly and energetically and happily about Candace Parker. And this year I dedicated a lot of hours th- during this year to talking about a specific year of Candace Parker's life. We're big Candace Parker fans. And I even told you guys, if they win it all and they just happen to give this, the finals trophy to Candace because of a publicity thing, it's going to leave a sour taste in my mouth because if there's one player that you cannot take out for this team to still be successful, it was clear. Like KFC is what made that team work yeah. in its essence. And it's insane. And, and to Parker's credit, every opportunity that she yes. got, yeah. she praised Kalia Copper. Um, it was it was not something that was like ignored by the team or by Candace herself. Like I think they recognized probably before the rest of us that Copper's not just the future, maybe of the Chicago franchise, but a superstar. Like there's only a handful of superstars mm-hmm. in the league. There's a lot of all stars and a lot of players that we like talking about. There's only, I mean, there's a short list of superstars that I think could make every team in the league immediately better. And Copper has yeah, named it, herself it to that list. Just an immediate impact that was huge, in in my opinion. I, I'm I'm glad that gets its own spot on this list because I was worried it was going to be rolled into Chicago's success mm, yeah. in the postseason and then the Candace Parker return home and stuff like that, which I'm sure we'll get to. But it it deserves like. When I think back on the season 2021, when we're probably talking like at the draft episode next spring and we're kind of looking back, like that's going to be one of the very first things that comes to mind is like copper is if, if Chicago is smart and knows when what's big good players for it, sign she's with the new teams, of that team moving forward. It's always a fun thing for people to do like the, oh my gosh, this lineup, right? And they, oh, now all these players are together. And, and Chicago's mm-hmm. filled with those types of players that you could list them off. And there are, you know, there were people going, I mean, now you've got Candice, Quigley, Vandersloot, Dolson, you know, DeShields. They're going up that line. Copper wasn't making a lot of DeShields, those lists early yeah. on. Th- those who knew knew at the start of the year. But but that wasn't like a – sure name wasn't brought into the hype train. Now I think of Kalia Copper being on that team, and I'm like, that's a super team. Like, look at look at this lineup, and mm-hmm. it's it's just insane to me. Like, and, and I, I think that was huge. But at the same time, like, I love her being nestled right there with Ari McDonald because they just give off that same vibe of, like, yeah, people yeah. need to start talking about these people more because yeah. just the, you know, I think moment, the pivotal moment that South Carolina Stanford finish is probably the moment of the tournament. But if you're walking away with any other name than Ari McDonald of, like, who... Who who won the yeah, night of the, on the oh, tournament? She, she was she, she was, was everything. I mean, it was... For sure. Must see. She was a couple inches if, of a jumper if away you were a from neutral fan, pulling in hardware in the title game. Just yeah. If you were a neutral fan watching the final four and the and the championship matchup, yeah. I think you were yeah, you right. were pulling for Arizona. Like you just couldn't help but fall in love with that team, and like seeing how much that the team wanted to play for that coach. That like Arizona really made a very fun tournament, kind of a, a legendary tournament. Um, so I'm glad that she she got on here. And, and everything about it, like the personality, the her correcting people on her name, <laughs> impressors. Yeah. Like I I loved so much about yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. her story and her performance, her fearlessness. It just spoke to it. I mean, that might be the most comfortable victory a team's had in the final four over UConn in a while. And 
it was because she refused to, you know, well, that was a very, very good team with a very, very great coach. And Ari was kind of the star of that show. I will say one thing. This is yeah. where I was curious where everyone kind of saw the year and like how they might be theming their list. Cause for instance, I had the NIL at three. I thought it was mm. huge. See, yeah. I forgot to even put it on my list. And I've, mm-hmm. I mean, we've dedicated a lot of airtime on this show towards how important we think that is mm-hmm. specifically for female athletes and like the advancement of pro female sports. And I like, I I'm embarrassed that it didn't make my list because once I heard Jason say yeah. it, I was like, Oh Same. yeah, that's, <laughs> I think low key that might influence the future of women's basketball more exactly. than anything we talk about tonight. That's what it is. If, if you want to talk about the most impactful moments, like what's going to be, what's still going to be ringing longer into the future from the moment it happened. It's that announcement. Now that announcement was just a, a formal excerpt. It technically didn't, it wasn't technically a women's basketball announcement in that it affected all of collegiate sports, but I stand to say we're already seeing how it has a bigger impact on women's sports and women's basketball beyond anything else. Yeah. Because I mean, how many players there's these large companies that are finally getting in on the NIL how many of these large companies are saying like, you know, Paige Beckers is my first signee. Caitlin Clark's my first signee, you know, like, you know, Alyssa Smith, Alyssa Smith, like, yeah, they're, they're, you know, yeah, exactly. They're pulling in, in these dudes because they're, you know, they're getting on the train of their understanding that. And what you're starting to see is now the whole dollars donuts discussion kind of closes. We're starting to see value in hard numbers and it's going to get harder and harder for people. Trolls will always find a way, but it's going to get harder and harder for people to deny that value discussion. And I think that's huge and it's going to have a huge impact. However, yeah, it is hard to dilute it down to that's the moment, like this spark that, that took off and became a memory. And so I see how it's yeah, hard I, to just bring to mind. I I did not put, I didn't put this specific item on my list because it seemed too fringe, but I do think it's important. There's a great Washington Post story while the women's tournament was going on about how none of the women's tournament teams bring home any money from the tournament, including right. Stanford, who won the whole thing. Um, and it's it basically they, they took a, an in-depth look at the type of sponsorships that the women's tournament had and the fact that there's no way mm-hmm. the tournament isn't raking in tons of money but that the NCAA has decided to commit all of that money to promoting the men's tournament and basically leave the, the women's tournament high and dry. Um, and it, it didn't cause the kind of ripples that I think it should have. I think that sort of story should be the sort of thing that's like a scandal and be like, how, how is the NCAA getting away with this? But one of the things that name and likeness is going to at least mitigate in the future is it's going to prove that like women can be superstars in their own right even without yeah. the help of the body that's supposed to be supporting them, which is, I, I think, something that we're, we're going to talking about, especially in coming into these days. 2023, 2024 drafts. We're talking about a scenario where we have individuals who are going to be the highest paid player in the league before they're drafted to a team. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's becoming something very yeah. intriguing and it, yeah. it does make you wonder with that revisionist history. Like if we could have had this opportunity to promote, to, to, give this to a Candace Parker, to a Diana Taurasi, to a Maya Moore. How, how undeniable is it to actually go out of your way and watch these players, put them on a big stage, give them that marketing investment because there's just, there's data backing it up. And that's where I think it plays a big role. 
But I, yeah, I just, that whole scenario was insane to me. And gosh, we could go forever on so many of these. I, I'm going to hold back on a lot of my takes for the Sue and DT postgame interview, other than to say, if you haven't watched it recently, go find it <laughs> and, and, and feel something for a while. Yeah. yeah it was just it's a great just, moment. I think that's, that's why I, yeah. I saw that one. Uh, I'm glad that one made a top 10 simply because of the feels that, that potentially came just because of that. So I think that yeah, that was a big, that was a big one. That was just a big like feels moment for me. If, if we learn, if, yeah, if we learn in the spring that Sue Bird is done playing in the WNBA, it's, it's probably going to ascend even higher yeah. on my personal list because it becomes the Sue Bird retirement yeah. interview. And it's, very, it very possibly could be that. I don't think she knows if she's going to play yet again. And potentially the DT retirement interview. Who knows? She already said she'd go to Paris. So, um, and yeah, and then I, yeah, just Rachel Ellering might sneak into your DMs with some angry words. Uh, but, um, but no, I think it's, it, that moment was huge. And it's very interesting to me that we talk about, a formal financial announcement from a college organization, uh, two young players who got themselves on a good stage, two older players who are having nice moments in the twilight of the career. All of these differences, we still can't find room to talk about the Commissioner's Cup, can we? Like it's, it's just <laughs> no, it it just didn't end up mattering. As I think much the as Commissioner's Cup to. win meant more after it was over. Like the lead up to it, I felt was really low, but when Sue Bird, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head her exact quote, but they said, uh, you know, like she hoisted, she was carrying the trophy and she was said something like, uh, oh, it doesn't weigh as much as the bonus money that we're getting or something like, like I can't remember what she said, but she kind of threw that out there. (laughs) And I feel like at that moment, everybody was like, oh yeah, like we got to go get paid. Like let's go, like, Let's let's really make this a. Yeah, I feel like the energy toward it might have shifted simply because the players were just really open about like, hey, yeah, the championship's nice. So's that bonus check, and I think that's going to yeah. cause a lot of players to be like, oh yeah, like, I, and I, I, I think yeah. yeah, there is something else I liked about it too, and it's it's the at that moment I think each of us would have bet yeah. everything we owned because yeah. those would be the two finals teams. It just, mm-hmm. it felt obvious they were just a cut above the rest. And I think we're finally, like every year, the, the WNBA introduces like a couple more games to the regular season. And like this year, we've got a couple changes to the playoffs. And I, I think it's going to start to matter. Like the, the long run is going to matter. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a sprint anymore. And we saw that with, with Phoenix turning it on at the right time at the end of the season, with Chicago rebounding from a terrible start to their season when Candace Parker was injured. We're, we're starting to get to where I feel like, like it's it's always been a legitimate champion. Whoever the champion is always has like absolute claim to that. But it's starting to feel like you got to be consistent more nights out of the year, and you have to bring it at the right time in the playoffs yeah. in order to kind of survive that gauntlet. And I'm really excited for like for the sake of our show, like storylines are going to have more mm-hmm. breathing room to develop over the course of the season now. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I think uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just going to say I I agree. I think. I'm a fan of anything that makes games that seem less important become important again. And I feel like that's what the Commissioner's Cup does. Is it takes that first half of the year where it can kind of feel like if you're a casual fan, maybe you skip that part and you wait until, you know, maybe August or, or so to, to really get involved and figure out what's going on. 
Um, but it made those early games more important and more interesting. Um, because like leagues I follow, like the, um, the NHL and, um, the, uh, Major League Baseball, like there's such long seasons that there's certain points of the seasons where it just feels like it doesn't mean anything. And I like that they're doing something to try to make the whole f- season feel important and feel big. And, and I, I feel like that's one thing the Commissioner Cup did accomplish that I was really happy with. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things. I mean, yeah. the story with it's going to change over time. I still stand by saying having it run half of the season, it just – you're short-sheeting a lot of those early games. People, It's just not enough for people to invest in it. If you cut that to like – you make the schedule compact around that first month, two months of the season so that you're able to uh, like really kick mm-hmm. it off that way and make it feel like an event a little bit more than – I mean, it kind of got scheduled the way it did this last year because it was a way to return to WNBA games after the Olympics. And this was, you know, this is kind of a different field to it. So I think it will improve over time. I just, there's a lot that needs to be done so that it closes out with a bang and, and not a whimper. But to Logan's point, yeah, we might look at it much more fondly if it really was a preview of the finals, which is what we thought it was going to be. And mm-hmm. and and at that, you know, it's it's one of those things of it didn't really pan out that way, and so the importance of that game kind of just fell to the wayside. And it may just be the mercy of whether or not that happens from year to year. The last thing I'll say is it is a shame that it feels like it fizzled a little bit. That's a fine trophy, and <laughs> I've been wanting to yeah. talk more about that Rose Bowl oh, trophy. Great, and yeah. I think it's, that it's that's a really good trophy. You know, I, I think the storm should have that as like a, you know, a lot of teams, if they haven't won a title or two, they have that emblem with the, the title trophy, like throw that Rose gold trophy emblem on there too. And, and let it make some sense. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to walk through some ideas to fix the commissioner's cup. Like that, that's a topic that could take up a full 40 minutes, but something, something they do need to do that I don't have a solution for yet is they need to make the regular season games that count towards the commissioner cup. They they gotta like the only way you know that is by looking at the schedule and seeing the emblem next to it and being like oh this is a commissioner's cup game I guess and it doesn't like it doesn't really set it apart from any other game other than it's got the icon next to it and it just feels like they need to put some more stakes on it it needs or, or they to, need to feel have some method of like it so that it feels like like maybe maybe even if it's just like hey this game is on ESPN like in primetime and it is a commissioner's cup game then it's like oh like it's on TV people are going to watch yep. this game like this is an important I game i don't know we'll we'll have to think about that in the future but pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely but when it comes to a great shave you don't have to shell out tons of cash harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. 
Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Before we hit number five, Jason, we had a few, um, a few more that hit our, our radar that didn't quite make our top 21. Why don't you go ahead and hit us with some of the honorable mentions? Yeah, so I'm going to hit you with honorable mentions. We have six of them and these are in no particular order. So don't, don't take the order as having any significance. Uh, these are just the six things that didn't quite get ranked high enough to make it in the top 21. Uh, starting off, I'm going to go with the three by three Olympic debut. Uh, Courtney Vandersloot's triple double in double overtime, uh, to get a playoff win over the sun. Oh, Diana, that was so good. Can I add an oh, to that? Yeah. All added with Courtney Vandersloot's reaction live on TV to finding out she scored yes. a triple double in that game. Yeah. That also added. <laughs> yeah. That made it so much more. I love this. Yeah. Um, okay. Diana Taurasi's 14 point fourth quarter to clinch a final spot. Heck yeah. Kia oh. Nurse with her half court shot. Yeah. It's, yep. The 20. Hell yeah. Yeah. The 20. Yeah. yeah, yeah I forgot all about Chicago. that. The 25th yeah. anniversary team reveal and oh, yeah. the 144 I documentary. Didn't... Take okay. that where you guys want. Yeah, man. <clears throat> in a different, there were some in a different world. 144 probably ends up making my list and, and mm-hmm. I'm just mad that I forgot about it. But, um, and also the Maya Moore documentary. I mean, my goodness. Oh, I completely forgot yeah, about that. Yeah. Really solid, what a year for films. There's man. some really solid ones. <laughs> The three x three, the three x three Olympic. That was a. I enjoyed that format oh, yeah. so much more than I expected to. And what ticked me off is I missed the first, <clears throat> the first game and almost all of the second game simply because I didn't realize that the games went so fast. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> I thought, oh, like it's on. Like I'll I'll hop on and and check it here in just a little bit. And I would hop on and it would be yeah. over. And I was like, oh, like the I, the <clears throat> the format made it so quick. But it was I, so much fun. And I, we haven't we haven't had a chance to interview mm-hmm. Steph Dolson afterwards, and that was a lot of fun. I want to find a way to incorporate <clears throat> 3x3 into the league somehow, whether it's a mini tournament, whether it's something over at All-Star Weekend. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, I watched some like you know, a, I watched that first season of Big Three that Ice Cube put on, and it was all right. And 3x3, the way that it's structured traditionally, it just perfects that style of basketball. It's so much fun to watch, especially if you're a basketball nerd. If you're an X's and nose nerd, it's paradise. I just, I yeah. love watching it. If, if, uh, if I may, and I, this is a tangent that again, it's probably better reserved for a different episode, but I'll just do it really quickly. I think it would be really fun if they added as part of all-star weekend, like a three on three tournament, because my hometown of Salem, Oregon does a big three on three tournament. That's citywide every year. It's called hoopla and it's huge. Like people, like tens of thousands of people show up for it. And it's literally like outside on blacktop three on three. And it's so fun to just be around tons of people that like play basketball, mm-hmm. like D2 in college and just love playing rec league in their local league and their kids in high school. And it's just basketball lovers get together in like a big basketball convention. They play three on three all afternoon. It's a blast. And it'd be super cool if they could incorporate like that element into all-star weekend in addition to watching the pros do it. And I don't know if they would ever do something like that, but I've yeah, seen like, it first. Whether it's, it's the so you do the so the out. rookie sophomore game or something like that, where you have young talent. Play. I just I think there's a lot yeah. of ways that you could turn that into just a super super entertaining night. And I just 
was so sold on it. Like I, I was sad when it was over because, and exactly what Kyle said, because we do not have time at all to discuss the atrocity that is broadcasting the Olympics. I don't know what NBC's thought (laughs) thinking is there, but it's so impossible to find what you want to watch when you want to watch it. Uh, I was so hungry for three X three basketball after it ended. Uh, yeah. that I wish I'd have found a way to watch more. Yeah. Uh, additionally, the Kia Nurse game winner, uh, I know we earlier at the top of the 21, we talked about the Jewel Lloyd game winner. All of the clutch plays this season that were game winners were super fun. I know uh, Brittany Griner's block, um, because it sent them to the finals, a little bit more significant. I don't know if this one even made it onto our honorable mentions list. But do you guys remember that time Dan Atrazi hit a game winner? But like the clock yeah. was, yeah. it was like the first so opening weekend, it, yeah. wasn't like it? They hour. didn't. They didn't know. They didn't <laughs> know if technically they won the game because they had to review to yeah. see like how yeah. much for time like a was long left. time. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah. That was such yeah. a wild. Yeah. That was a wild ending. That was I a forgot, good moment because that was that was. I think that was the game. It was either following or it was in the same lineup as the UNESCO finish with New York. Yeah. So we had this huge like night full of these cool game winners, like but one really we're like, but was <clears> it? Because <laughs> yeah, and you knew like because it's Tarazi, you knew like of course it like if the clock had been running, of course it would have been in time because it's her. But they had to like go back and like I don't even know how they determined it, but there was the longest review <laughs> in the history of time yeah. to like make sure that it counted. Anyway, that was all a, right, that was a fun Jason. One to think about. Thanks for the honorable mentions. Let's go ahead. We're we're closing in on an uh, hitting almost an hour here, and we got our top five still to do. So, Jason, go ahead and hit us with number five overall. Number five, Jonquil Jones wins the regular season MVP. The Connecticut Sun forward Jonquil Jones has been named league MVP, taking forty-eight of forty-nine first place votes. Jones averaged over 19 points and 11 boards a game, good for fourth in the league in scoring, first in rebounding, top 10 in blocks, shot 36% from three, just a complete player in all phases of the game. How did the league let you know that you were indeed the MVP? Um, so before practice yesterday, we, we thought we were going to watch film, and um, our head coach, Kurt, comes in the locker room, and he's like, just indulge me, come on the court really quickly. Um, so we run around the court, we see the commissioners on like the big jumbotron, um, the front office of our staff and everything, and the whole organization is like lined around the baseline. Um, and she starts like just you know listening to different awards and um, the people that won. So she started with Kurt, um, congratulated him as coach of the year. Brianna Jones and our team um, won most improved, and then they got to me and told me that I won MVP. So um, every time they announced a winner, everybody was like popping confetti and stuff. So it was a, it was a fun vibe and a, definitely a different type of vibe and a good way to find out. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> Yep, that makes sense. Uh huh. It's a great, yeah. It's, it's, it's I yep. love that that's all of our take. Yep, 100%. Great moment. Yeah, what it's a, a great moment. <laughs> I think it rolled. I, I loved it. I mean, honestly, because it, I was just going to say her, her journey to get there to, the, to get to MVP, you know, she didn't come in as like, the, she's not the number one overall pick that comes through. No, she's she's the first yeah. most improved. She won most improved and sixth MVP, woman of the year, which is and MVP. She's won all three of those awards. So that's yeah. that's impressive to me. Uh, now she's just I got a coach jo- and need, get coach that, of the year. That's gonna now say that's my early that's my early prediction. Uh, for I, just, I need her to win defensive. She could be the first WNBA Grand Slam winner. <laughs> that actually would be, be so sweet. <laughs> if she wins defensive. And honestly, and she she um, easily she's could. got a lot of juice. <laughs> like, she's like, in she's, that discussion. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's not out of the question. It, this is going to sound critical and weird and people might think it's weird. She comes off as like the, possibly the most unlikely MVP winner the league's possibly ever had. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that, that she, cause she's been in that, that shortlist discussion for a couple of years now. And, but it never felt like it would quite happen because it often is some of those more obvious names that tend to come up. And this was well, one of those times I when remember. it was fun to watch that happen because I was critical of it when she was in the early race discussion partway into the season. And then there was just no denying it to a certain point. Yeah. Well, you, and you were right to be because she missed like five, six, seven games and there'd never been an MVP before that had missed that, that kind of time because in the WNBA, that's like a sixth of your season. Like yeah. you only get 30, 35 games. And so for a while it looked like, I mean, she's obviously in the discussion because she has the stats, but like, is she dominant enough to make up for that time missed? And especially because the sun mm-hmm. were winning during that time mm-hmm. missed, which, which kind of eroded her case a little bit because it felt like, well, she plays on a really good team. And by the end of the year, I mean, her career statistics, um, compared to this year, I mean, she stepped up in every single category. She averaged 19.4 points a game, 11 rebounds a game. She was a plus 12 every time she was on the floor. Like, on on a really good team, uh, she was still such a standout player, and it was just it was cool to see her get recognition and for that. Again, emphatically, it, right? It like, made the fact that the Sun didn't make the finals all the more bizarre. Yeah, it does. That, it does hurt. That in itself is like a weird, like instant classic W history moment of just like, yeah, what happened? Like, like it, it, all the keys that the cards with. I mean, I mean, what happened was the Chicago Sky, but um. I don't know. There's something about that that makes it all the more interesting because it was. Yeah. It, yeah. It's tough. I mean, two, two or three times in a row is a trend. And now this is like four years in a row where they've been in the playoffs and unable to get it done with a team that looked like they could be a <laughs> championship true. team. And this year we're doing it with an, the MVP on their squad. And so that's, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I, I love yeah. it. I love this moment. I think I love the journey behind the moment just as much as I do the actual award. Um, and I think that she was, she, you know, she, she seemed to have a pretty good grasp on it and she did almost get, get it unanimously. But we mentioned earlier in the, in the show, Brittany Griner really came and, and kind of gave her a run for the money there toward the end. Um, and, and was looking yeah. really, really solid as well. So, um, <clears throat> now that we're, uh, kind of removed from the season and the wins and loss records from the season, do you guys remember? I, I have it in front of me, the record for the Sun when she was on the uh, I want to say like 18 and three. Yeah, it's, it's, I remember it being absolutely nuts. Like they, they have are, one loss. They were 24, 24 and, three. and three. Oh, three. I thought she had missed more games than that. Wow, 24 and three. That's nuts. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because that was yeah. I, I remember that stat being like, oh, okay, so she's probably yeah. gonna win because <laughs> she lost that three games. Of like, <laughs> oh, that's that's how vast yeah. of a difference yeah. she's made, and that's because that sort of was some people's argument for Candice early part of the season was was don't even look at the stat sheets, look at how Chicago kicked off their year, and then when Candice pops back up, they yeah. just start. What what, what was yeah. the difference? And yeah. you know, it was that same discussion, but with John Quell, it was to the tune of. They were the top seed, and by all, by all thoughts, the the favorites win it all. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, Jason, hit us with number four. Okay, number four, unrestricted free agent Candace Parker signs with Chicago. I was gr- I gr- I was brought up where you finish what you start. 
And I'm not the type of person that's going to demand a trade. Um, and I did. I finished what I started, and being an unrestricted agent is doing what you want to. Mm. And I think they look at athletes as not human beings in terms of working, having a career. It is a job. And so if you're a manager somewhere in California and you want, you have an opportunity to go closer to home, would you take it? And for me, it was yes. And to be able to see my grandma and her face mm. when she saw that I was coming home, I mean, I think that just my mom, my dad, everyone, Layla's excited. She told me she's not wearing a, the Chicago Sky jersey for only one game. She's going to wear the L.A. Sparks game during that game. So wow. she's she's an L.A. kid, which is still going to be home. Yeah. But, um, you know, I just appreciate the support from everybody here. And, you know, I've talked to all of you all and um, it's tough, but I think it was it was a good decision. Oh, this is four. That is number four. It was, I mean, uh, yeah, it was my I, two. Yeah, I think, I, think I know are. the top two, yeah. but like it was, it was my two, and I and I had it at one this, for a minute. This was the whole story, certainly in terms of like moments, in terms of moments and yeah. stories, and like the Twitter thing that woke you up. Uh, it's it's top two. It's just. It could yeah, be I the biggest. In this. It could be the biggest in terms of acquisition of like a player changing from one team to another. Yeah, we've had in league history. I'd have to check my yeah, I, my history to 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 rectify that. But yeah, it, I I didn't know how I could like splice this in, but I wanted to include that night on Thursday night basketball when Candace was talking to Shaq and Dwayne Wade, and Shaq referenced her only having one ring, and she was like, "I'm not done winning <laughs> rings." <laughs> Like, like very clearly. And like, I think at that point she'd already made the decision to go back to Chicago. So like we knew she was talking about getting the sky one and it just felt like, like that happened like well before the season started, but that felt like, Oh, it's kind of destined to happen. Like she's got her sights set on exactly what we think. By the way, Candace, I I was really close to making Candace cleaning up the NBA on TNT desk. Like as its own spot. Candace on NBA on TNT. I I ended up, I ended up not, but her just like her just showing up and owning. Um, but that's like, the, I, yeah, no, I'm glad you called out that moment because it speaks so much to it. Uh. But so much went behind that change that it just caused this seismic shift. And it was kind of one of those cases of we're seeing that there's a few players on our free agent list right now who could make it interesting, maybe not at that same level but could make a very seismic splash. And we're going to start seeing that trend happen a little more and more year after year. And it speaks to the fact of like media types, whether it's us, whether it's mainstream, uh, like free agency is starting to become an event for WNBA fans. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't noticed, that's a huge growth sign. That's a huge sign that they're, that it's in a direction you want it to go when those types of discussions are happening. And, and so that moment was felt so hard that I am honestly shocked. It's at four. I'm curious. I have a strong <clears throat> feeling what three are with the, the big, the top three are. Um, and I'm super duper excited for one of them. <laughs> um, but I just, yeah. Yeah. I, in terms of th- that type of story, that free agency trans transition type of scenario, it was big, and I mean, it, it kind of tells almost the whole story, at least for the WNBA season. 
so much of what we experienced during that season, we can come back to that moment. Yeah. As like a, a weird powder cake. No. And, and for me, like that moment has two levels and the, the audio clip that podcast listeners just heard, um, kind of covers her talking about it on, in, uh, NBA on TNT. Um, and what it meant to her and her family for her to be going back home and her grandma being so excited because she'd be around to see her play basketball. Like all those things were, were super impactful on a personal level, but like, each of us for years have been talking about how Chicago's so close. And in that moment when that news came out, everyone just sort of felt like this is the time. And it was like, it, it didn't seem like it the first part of the season, but in that moment when we found out of it, Oh, Chicago's going to do this. And then they did it. And, and it was obviously so great, but you know, it was, it was big in both ways where it felt like a great personal moment for her, but it also felt like a great moment for the Chicago franchise and realizing like, Oh, this is the year they put it together. And, and we all had that kind of feeling all the way back in what was it February when we, when that news broke? Like, yeah. All right, I'm excited to see the top three. I've got a sneaking suspicion of what they might be, but I actually have four on my list that I'm curious to see where these ended up. So, Jason, hit us with number three. Number three, new uniforms. Hello. Yes. 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 Hope you're hungry. How is Hell this yeah. not number one, you monsters? <laughs> What's it, the matter with you? It, it it managed to be my four, which is funny that looking, I think about it. It was, was my it was my five. Yeah. Oh. Jason's laughing because I forgot to put it on my list, but obviously if oh. I would have remembered, it would have been number <laughs> yeah. one. Dude, it's so good. I I'll start. I'll start here. I took work off. <laughs> <laughs> I called in sick. That day was a a <laughs> holiday in the Schwartzman home, and and it and it not because just because oh new uniforms. It can't be understated. We may never see a universal shift in branding land as hard as that one did. Yeah. It's insanely impressive. Even the bad looks are better than 80% of MNBA city uniforms. It's yeah. that. Yeah. I, like, I want to say, I want to say this about the uniforms before, like I could, I have, I could, and I have talked specifically with Steve for hours and days about the uniforms. All I will say is that it, good branding isn't what, launches your league into the homes of millions of new viewers, but you cannot do that without first having good mm-hmm. branding. Like 
you were never going to see the full growth potential of the WNBA with the template jerseys. It was never going to happen. Like by the time Paige Beckers gets to the league, you're going to have teams that have looks, right? You have Liberty green and you have your aces, like your, your Asia Wilson with the leg sleeve and the arm sleeve and the black and red, like having looks for every team and having nice alternates and having Kaiser Gondrezic in the stranger things fever Jersey. That's the sort of thing that has to happen in order for the league to like continue the momentum and the legitimacy that it's earned itself over the last several years. And I love that they crushed it so when hard you look, and I'm embarrassed yeah. that I forgot to put it on my list because it was so important. When you look at three teams that, that up leveled in very different ways, the Liberty getting to the playoffs, the Mercury making it back to the finals and Chicago winning it all. I actually think you can give some credit to these uniform shifts because even though I have a lot of things I've said about Chicago's uniforms, I'm not the biggest fan of their general look. You knew the sky's vibe when you saw them on the court in those uniforms <laughs> and you knew Phoenix's when, vibe and you knew the Liberty's vibe. Yeah. Like you got what those teams were about and you can't do that with a templated look. And not every team when, when can be the same and looks, vibe. And once you got that feel, yeah. it changed so much about how easy it was to support these. I'm not a fan of any of those. Like if I had like, this is my team, it's not any of those teams. I have a Sparks jersey right there. They aren't technically my team, but I got them and I wanted to support them because I understood their vibe so easily. People think that a lot of people enjoy uniform and branding talk simply because it's fun to look at things that look nice or make fun of things that don't look nice. But it is such a huge, the emperor's clothes no, are, go, go a long way. Like that matters. Yeah. yeah. Go look at highlights from this year. Like on YouTube, there's tons of great highlight packages. I looked up several in order to make my list for this episode and just it, like you watch Chicago highlights in the glass ceiling jerseys and you're like, Oh, I love this team. Like I know exactly what team this is because they're the team with that look. And it's the same for Phoenix's X factor jerseys. And it's the same for every time the Liberty wore any iteration of their jerseys because they're all awesome. Like I know it's dorky to care this much about threads, but first of all, basketball is like, it, it kind of has like a, a cultural crossover with fashion. Oftentimes mm -hmm. it's something that I don't totally understand, but it's been there in the NBA for a long time. And, and second, yeah, like I loved watching the highlights from these games because it's like watching the highlights of a snow football game or, um, from like, I love watching blazer highlights from 2013 because I just love the rip city jerseys they had that year. Like it's, it's just something that you identify with the personality of the team. Like Steve has been saying, and it's so much clearer now than when they all just had the yeah, same templated jerseys that weren't particularly We watched exciting. this league so intently and so closely and it took for that uniform reveal for me to truly get some teams in different ways than mm -hmm. I thought I knew them. And it made it all the more interesting and all the more fun. And, you know, I, I don't know what the face of uniformdom will be for the WNBA. I'm sure these, a lot of these looks will maintain and there will be new looks here and there. Maybe the rebel jerseys will change year on year. But this was such a long overdue move. Yeah. And I will, I will go into the, into the great beyond screaming about what an important and huge move that ended up being because there are so many people that like it was just undeniable. And there were so many people who normally would 
turn a blind eye to WNBA news or might even troll WNBA news that immediately were like, I've got a cop an Atlanta Dream jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want I want Collins Kyle, like I want Collins to grow up picturing her name on the back of yeah, a jersey. Not that's just, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's just like, a template. No, it, yeah, and and there's something yeah, like there's something very rec league about the template jerseys jerseys. And that that means something when you've got somebody watching the game for the first time because we don't you know, if if you're trying to attract fans, you've got maybe like two or three minutes of their attention before they change the channel unless you can engage them. And if you if you tune in and this is another gripe that we have, but if you tune in and the team's logo is not on the center of the court and it looks like they're wearing rec league jerseys, like it's just it's hard to get people to take you seriously. And so I feel like this was a big step in that direction of, you know, we're individual franchises with identities and history and tradition, and that's important. And I and I'm glad they took that direction. Yes. Yes. Agreed. All right, Jason, I think it's time. Let's hit our number two moment of twenty twenty one. Number two, oh, buddy. Number two is Team USA winning their seventh consecutive gold medal. So from Atlanta to Sydney to Athens to Beijing to London and Rio and now Tokyo, the gold standard in women's basketball belongs to the United States of America. Let the celebration begin. They have come to Tokyo and kept the streak alive. Woo! USA. <laughs> USA. Where USA. was I here? Where was I? I have him at 11. Yeah, this was. Is it just because to me it was inevitable? You know, and it's not even that because this wasn't inevitable. They lost, what, twice, three times before they got yeah, to the Olympics? They had a little this bit was- of a rough start before they headed into the Olympics. And honestly, do y'all remember that first like half that they played against Nigeria? And Nigeria came to play. Yeah, where it looked like they were. And I was like, not going to win. USA's going to lose <laughs> yeah. to Nigeria. Um, I think, yeah. I think it was just a really solid. I think there were just so many storylines that I encompassed and into this way, one headline. J- just sorry, just to be clear, they were a Neka Ogumike away from yeah. actually beating <laughs> them. Like true. I think yeah. that would have helped helps up if they had the Ogumike. The, uh, I think there was just so many storylines going around. USA winning gold. You know, it was, it was Burden Tarasi's, you know, fifth gold. It was, um, you know, it was Tina Charles first opportunity in the games. There was just, there was so much, I think that went with it and missing a year with the Olympics. I think I just was so romantic about the Olympics finally being back. And then also like, I don't know. And then also like not fully comfortable that they were. And then there was no, you know, there's no like spectators. It was just so much. There was so many storylines surrounding this one like moment. I think that that's what kind of yeah. pushed it up for me was there was there was a lot more than just just the one. Oh, USA won gold again. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I- yeah. For for me, it's the now the the women's hockey team and the women's soccer team and the women's basketball team on the world stage have allowed me to feel patriotic in an era where I don't feel patriotic most of the time, <laughs> frankly. So, um, so it, it was fun to, to root for your country and root for Sue Bird and, and Diana Trazzi on the big stage. And I, I know a lot of people were upset that they were kind of the story because they wanted them to kind of clear out and make room for other players. But it was really cool to see them go out and perform and, and do something that like probably won't be done again 
Like, I don't know if we're going to see, I mean, unless Tarazi <laughs> really does go to Paris, like that's, that's a record right. that's probably going to stand for a long time. Yeah. I, I just don't, I've got the shirt right here. Greatest dynasty ever. I don't know that it's, you could articulate how difficult any great team, any great national team in any sport, seven golds in a row. Team USA men haven't yeah. done that. They're the ones called the yeah. dream team, and they didn't do that. <laughs> like that, that speaks to you what an amazing feat that is. And it's, you know, it, it, it that was a really cool thing to see. And all things point to Paris, this being a brand new face. You know, there's a lot going to be a lot of new faces. It's going to be a new era for, for that squad. They have a new coach. You know, Cheryl Reeve just took the mantle and, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's always exciting. It's always fun. Something about it being an 11, maybe it's just because for me it was like, well, yeah, it's Team USA and it was the Olympics. They were going to win gold. I don't know. I don't know what it is for me. I might have 3x3 higher on my list, actually, <laughs> uh, than I even have that just because I loved watching 3x3 so much because I'm a nerd. And uh, But, <laughs> yeah, I, I have no qualms with this being this high up on the list. It was a very cool Jason, thing. thoughts with the – what are your thoughts with the Team USA gold? This this was meaningful, and it was meaningful because this is the first time I've been following the the women's team for the last few Olympics. This is the first time like I felt like it was in question, and it was fun to see uh, them pull through that and and to be dominant. And it also to me cemented the fact that Brittany Griner was actually here to play uh, for this year. That the Olympics to me was Brittany Griner's show, and uh, I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, I think we kind of hit all our, our points with, with Team USA taking the gold. Um, Jason, you want to go ahead and hit us with, I think all four of us have a pretty good idea of what the number one overall moment is going to be. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty obvious, obvious at this now. point. But Jason, go ahead and make it official. Tell us what is the number one women's basketball and WNBA moment from, from the year 20 and 21? The consensus. Number one pick amongst all four hosts for the 2021 year is that Chicago wins the title. A 7-0 Chicago run. Vandersloop probing, dishing. Dolson for the lead. Chicago James Wade told us at the beginning of the season, we were knocking on the screen door. But now that we have Candace Parker, we're knocking on the real door. Yes, Chicago with the W. Oh, yeah. Candace Parker returning, Kalia Copper, Courtney Vandersloot, Allie Quigley, just the whole squad making uh, some major moves and finally getting over the hump. Their first, their first title as a franchise. Um, I, I thought there were there were so many storylines. Obviously, the Candace Parker one is such a dominant storyline, but there was others. Uh, Along the way as well, even if you go down to like Steph Dolson taking a, a smaller role on the team and we had an interview with her. If you want to go back and listen to it, we had a fantastic interview with Steph and, the, and her approach to what that meant for her and how she approached basketball um, and, and what and what that kind of meant for her individually, which ironically is kind of what we all 
we talked about. We said Steph needs a different role on the Chicago team rather than being the 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 five, you know, the 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 main starting center. If she had another role on the team, she could be a lot more effective. And that lo and behold, that's what Chicago did and came away with the title. Um Logan, I want to hear just from you really quick. You're the reverse jinx <laughs> champion officially because of this. So so what were your <laughs> thoughts when Chicago finally pulled this off? Um, I really loved this team and I, I loved, I, I think every team that wins a championship likes to imagine a chip on their shoulder in order to motivate themselves. But I think this team actually had a legitimate claim to, um, after a lot of doubters at the beginning of the season, they, they had a, they had a lengthy losing streak at the beginning of the year that just doesn't happen with good teams. They were able to battle back into the playoffs. They were obviously like the most powerful six seed we've ever seen because they probably should have been higher, but. They, they played a fun brand of basketball, and it, it's fun to me that it all came together when they really threw themselves into being the Kalia yeah. Hopper Chicago's guy. Um, for, for a long time, it was like, how are they losing games? Like, like Quigley's out there. She's still one of the best point guards in the league, if not the best. Like, she's the best facilitator in the league, certainly. Um, and so it was, it was just confusing to, like, like, Allie Quigley's still shooting well from three, and when Candace Parker was out there, to their credit, they were winning a lot of their games and she was still playing great defense, but it just didn't seem to come together until they leaned into Copper being their identity. And on top of all that, I'm just happy for my guy James Wade. Um, yeah. Coach Wade, you know, he's, he's been so excited to be at the head of that team for the last couple of years. And I love seeing him be successful. It was, it was fun to see all of that work that he's put into making that team good payoff. Uh, and beating a really good Sun team yeah. and then a really like a ferocious run from the uh, the Phoenix Mercury like that. That Mercury team looked like it was going to be the team of destiny and in, in its series against the Aces. And it took a really monumental effort to stop them from going all the way. And we've we've sung Brittany Griner's praises on this episode plenty already. So, you know how she was playing. Um, it takes a lot to beat Diana Tarazi and Brittany Griner on their best day. So right. it was a it was a fun team to watch. It's honestly it's a surprise that they're the number one. I I actually thought that the number one thing on this list was going to be Texas losing to South Carolina like sixty two to thirty, um, but it turns out that a, a WNBA championship is more important than an Elite Eight loss. So um, <laughs> I love it. That's, that's a little joke. That's just for all you Texas fans out there. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, Steve takes on because uh, this is this was there was a lot you. Started out the beginning of this year, the beginning of 2021, we hit really hard Candace Parker's rookie season. Um, she's played all of her career in LA. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of connections that you individually have with her specifically. Um, and then, you know, kind of watching this storyline unfold, what was just, what was your overall like reaction and thoughts as, as this, you know, happened? I mean, everything about it was weirdly insane and kind of emotional. I think on top of it, at the start of the year, I had predicted Phoenix taking it all away, and I got tons of flack for that. And this is one of the few times that I was close to being able to neener neener people and be like, "Here we go." I think you still can. Yeah, to to your to your point, Steve. I I think just the fact that Phoenix made the finals from a low seed. I think you can, if you ever want to pull those receipts, I'll back you up. Cause I remember you were getting some hate. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, when we make predictions on this show, any hate that we get is all in good fun. But yeah. I think people were it was actually one of those like, few times that like, I felt, nah, I honestly felt good because the entire time I was like, I think they have it in them. But I also, 
saw that in Chicago. There was a, a recording we did toward the end of the regular season where I pretty stoutly called Chicago the most disappointing team in the league. Yeah. Because it, based on the record, based on where they were going to be ranked, it just felt like they so underachieved that it was really frustrating. And like, not one member of the Chicago Sky gives a damn what this weird overweight dude in his basement says about the team. So I know I'm not giving them any whiteboard material, but I'm sure a lot of people did. And they came together and you just really saw what that became. Um, it's an emotional lot of ways because, for instance, I know, you know, the Candace connection, especially because I know she was a long time considered a kind of like a big sister to, to Gigi and everything. So there was that connection there too. While they're, while they, this playoffs are happening, I'm seeing pictures on Instagram of Candace Parker hanging out with Vanessa Bryant, the Bryant family and being a support there. And you guys all know what that means to me. And, but on top of all the emotions behind everything and what made that finals interesting. And I understand this was probably already in play before the finals started, but I don't care. I'm just going to declare my own narrative because apparently you're allowed to do that. I want to thank the Chicago Sky and the Phoenix Sun formally for blowing the playoff structure into the ocean and letting us start a new. <laughs> yeah. I want to thank them formally for getting rid of that and and allowing us to have at least a relatively simplified <laughs> structure to look forward to because it was a fun experiment and there were reasons behind it. But at the end of the day, it was kind of weird and it was kind of complicated. And yeah. I'm excited for a playoffs that feels like a normal playoffs again. As much as I enjoy the episode of this show every season where we have to explain um, to, to people new to the league, as we once were, how the, the weird playoff system works. It's going to be nice next year to be like, it works how you think it works. <laughs> it works like every There's other playoff system in, there will be a winner. in American sports. <laughs> yeah. So, and I sort of get it, right? Like, I, I reseeding has its value to some people. I get it. I, I'm not trying to out it. I just, there were Phoenix, New York. How do you watch the finish of that game and not tell me those teams don't deserve a best of three or a best of five series? You know, <laughs> like, it, it's things like that that are just like, man, there was a lot we could have really enjoyed from there. As I look at it now, though, it is what it is, but. You know, it's new changes and new structures, but it's kind of fun that the last vestige of that, this era of a strange, pl of that playoff structure was watching a six seed beat a five seed in the final. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is cool. It's just, it it's neat. You, by the way, if, if you're not caught up on all of our episodes since the off season, we do have an episode where we talk entirely about the new changes that are happening in the playoffs and the regular season. So you can go back and find that if you want, but it, you're right. The, the farewell to that like single elimination kind of chaotic system being kind of the, the surprising getting older Phoenix uh, against the, they got their acts together and actually got it done. Chicago. It, it made for a very fun and finale. I know there were people who were saying this during the finals. And I just want to say for anyone, for some reason saying that a six and five seed playing in the finals was a bad look for the league. Why do you think yeah. there's eight seeds? It was awesome. It's called a playoffs. <laughs> If an eight yeah, seed, everybody gets a shot. Yeah, if the eight and the seven play, then hell yeah, it's that's why there's eight seeds. It's if it was like if it was like everybody on the aces is out with COVID, and yeah, and that'd be like, a little like lame. Phoenix was just like getting a pass, but Chicago's but that's not what ride, Chicago's ride alone to that title 
you can't say for a second that thing was not earned. They went through mm-hmm. a fan favorite in Minneapolis, an odds-on sure. favorite in Connecticut, and the sure. team that kind of felt more like the team of destiny in Phoenix. They went out of their way to, to I mean, they absolutely earned their keep by getting that championship. And then it also goes to say if two 16 teams uh, were in a final, uh, 16 seeds were in a final four facing each other. I mean, I wouldn't complain. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those things. (laughs) Yeah. It's so much of the story. So I think that made it fun, but I saw that backlash and it's, it's been digging at my craw for a while. Cause I'm like, there's eight seeds. As long as there's eight seeds, I don't care what the seeds are. If you earned your way to the to the show, then you get a seat. Like, and I think that's a part of it. I think that that the former playoff structure protected those top seeds a little too much, and this allows you that chance to mm-hmm. see. Well, let's see where the talent is because at the end of the day, you look at Phoenix and you look at Chicago and you go, well, they were a five seed and a six seed, and in a way, you would you would often think, yeah, but were they? Like, because. Mm. Look at those rosters top to bottom. Look at when they were playing hot. Look at the fact that if Chicago had themselves figured out in that first nine games, they're probably in that top four discussion. It's, it's a very different, especially in a league that's 30, you know, 34, 36 games. You know, there's a lot that shifts. Yeah. There. Well, there's, there's a reason you, you termed them the league's most disappointing team at the end of the regular season. It's because they were probably the league's best roster. Yeah. You know, like, you know, there you you expect some you know you expect some down years right now for the Dallas's and the Indianas and the Atlantas because they're not that good. But Chicago had a lot of the season where they played quite poorly for as good of a roster as they had. So it was it was really satisfying seeing them do it. It was it was fun seeing Kalia Copper come to her own, Candace Parker delivering on the delivering on the hometown return promise like. It just felt kind of meant to be, and it was fun. Like I like having unique champions every year. Um, as as fun as it would be to have like a dominant dynasty type team, every year that we've been covering the league since we started this show, which I, I think we've covered like four championships now, has been defined so differently and by very different players. Right, and that's made it really fun. Absolutely, Jason. What were your thoughts uh, on this on this whole ordeal here with uh, with Chicago? Taking the title. I actually really liked the way that the story played out. Um, going from kind of a preseason kind of a hip pick. I, I don't know the right way to say it, but it was the cool thing to do is to pick them preseason. Uh, and then to watch them fall apart, uh, you know, with some injuries. And I, I think with a lack of identity and then to rebuild that towards the end of the season or really into the playoffs. Um, it just made it such a fun storyline. And you add into that. Candace Parker going back home, kind of calling her shot, pulling the Babe Ruth saying, you know, I've, I've still got more titles coming and, and then getting that. Uh, there's just so much that made that so storybook. And then the fact that, you know, I, I think back on the days of Candace Parker and in the league and you see the torch getting passed from Lisa Leslie to Candace Parker and, and that transition that happened. And to think of Kalia Copper as maybe that next person that Candace Parker starts to hand the torch on. Um, it, it's just, there's so many cool things that I really enjoyed about that. Um, mm. and, uh, I, I'm not wearing it now, but literally earlier today until my, uh, son spit up on it, I was wearing a Chicago sky shirt all day. So I, uh, I was planning on wearing that on stream, but, uh, I, I have <laughs> a seven week old and that's how life is if, if you've never experienced that before. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, 
<laughs> you you always have a, oh, you yeah. always got to change oh, your shirt exactly. a couple yeah, times. But, um, <laughs> all, all in all, today was re- or not today. This year was really the year of Chicago, um, and it was such a fun storyline. And I, I I look forward to the day that we get the thirty for thirty on this year and and all of the different storylines that tied together with Chicago. Yeah, and even even more so, we we haven't really allowed ourselves to look into the future just yet, but we're about to turn the page into twenty twenty two. And man, it is not clear, you know, next year, like a lot of times teams win the championship, like teams win the Super Bowl in football. And then by the next season, everyone's like, all right, well, they're the favorite to win it again because we don't know anything else. And in the WNBA, I'm already looking ahead at like, man, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know a single thing. Like, you know, we're, yeah. we're going to learn a lot this offseason. Connecticut. We got Seattle still. You've got Minnesota's in there. Minnesota Phoenix. was so, never we didn't have a single mention of any Minnesota this entire episode. And they were so fun this year. They were a blast, like very underrated team. So <clears throat> I think, I think that there's a lot that, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to 2022 um, and everything that's going to be happening there. Um, Jason, I believe that we had discussed at some point that we would be re-releasing in kind of a celebration looking back at uh, the Chicago Sky um, and in particular Candace Parker's journey this this year in re-releasing our Candace Parker W history um, at some point. Is that something that we are still planning on doing um, here over the next little bit? Yeah, so if you're listening to this on podcast, this episode is going to release on December 28th, which it is almost December 28th where I am right now. So I'll be editing this in the morning and you'll have this on the 28th. On the 29th, 30th, and 31st, you can expect back to back to back the re-release of the W History covering Candace Parker's rookie season. Uh, and our decision to do that was really just as an honor to her and the fact that this really was the year of Candace Parker and the Chicago Sky. And it just kind of feels like a good way to end the year. So uh, if you're stuck at family's house and you just kind of want to to escape and get away, uh, go ahead and relive that. Steve put in a ton of work and it is really high quality stuff. So it's a it's a great listen. And uh, and yeah, so you're going to get this on the 28th, then on the 29th, 30th and 31st, you'll get, like I said, back to back to back. Those the the three part series covering her rookie season. Um, and uh, yeah. it'll be a great way to finish the year. And if you're listening to this late. Uh, listen to them anyways. They're great. Uh, you know, even, even if it's 2022, as you listen to me now, uh, go ahead and go ahead and hit this episode up, which you obviously did since it's now the end of the episode, but, uh, go hit those W histories as well. Cause it's, <laughs> it's just so much fun to revisit that. Absolutely. Um, we will be coming to you again soon with some new content as we kick off the year 2022 with, uh, I mentioned this last episode, my personal favorite of episodes that we do is, uh, is our new year's resolutions episode. Yes. And I look forward to this every single year. Um, and what makes it fun is we, we do it before, uh, free agency and before the draft. <laughs> and so it's always fun to see how drastically different things can change. I, my favorite we, game isn't even like this. which resolutions came true. It's which resolutions became null and void the quickest. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, Oh, so that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It's a good time. <laughs> it's, it's so true. Like, I think I said something about Emma Mieseman, uh in one of our resolutions a couple of seasons ago. 
It, um, it was like a week later, it, like, oh, she's not going to be playing It was like a week later, year. she's like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to be playing. I was like, oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was rough, but, um, it was something along those lines. I can't remember the exact one, but I'm looking forward to that. We will be making our assignments here, um, as far as what those, what teams we will be, uh, giving New Year's resolutions to. Yes. For our next episode, but uh, anything else that we have missed or anything that we need to add on before we call it a night? Good, good season. If I can just throw in a a, a public uh, thank you to my man Steve Schwartzman with a solid Christmas present. I really appreciate that, man. Uh, yeah, yes. you got me a Kim Perot Comets pen, but uh, it is going to sit with my Lisa Leslie signed basketball for time immemorial. Oh, so it's it's got a new place on the awesome. shelf back there. I love it. Um, yeah, for the uh, for the for the podcast, I mean, it's just a, a little gift. I found uh, some Kim Perot jersey pins that I believe are to to commemorate her jersey retirement, which was the first jersey retired in WNBA history. Um, I treated myself to a jersey and wanted to make sure everyone else got to share the love, so I sent some pins out, and I'm glad Jason's got to Jason. Um, and so I'm glad you enjoy it. They were, that was, that was a fun find. And like we, we talked a lot about the Candace W history. If you haven't had a chance, you know, I, I feel weird plugging stuff that I worked on. It's I'm a weird guy that way, but like I, the, uh, the, uh, uh, first ever series that I did with W history on Houston comments was, and I can't believe I'm about to say this was like life changing for me. It really, mm-hmm. I learned so many things. It was such a cool experience and getting to know Kim Peratt in a way um, was, was a huge part of that. And everyone should know her story. So if you're a resolutions person, that's the one resolution I would tell you. I'm not a resolutions guy, but I'm going to tell you to do that. Get to know Kim Peratt this year. So if you want to go back and listen to W history, uh, listen to her story and obligatorily again, apologies to Logan for, Really bumming him out during those recordings, <laughs> as he didn't know whole, how that story ended. I'm, in a way, I'm glad because I I got to experience the full weight of that story the way that it should be experienced. Um, mm-hmm. Just as as my quick uh, sign off for the year here. Just this this was the most fun season I've personally had covering the, totally. the league with you guys. I, I love doing this with you guys. I love all of our listeners who support the show and all the comments that you guys leave, the, the five star reviews and all of that stuff. Like. I'm so glad that we're still doing this years after, you know, us bunch of dorks drove to Phoenix and Seattle on a whim to experience <laughs> these games live. So it's been super fun. And I like kind of proudly, I, I reflect on our episodes and I think we're, we're, our show is better now than it was when we started. And if we continue the trajectory we are on, we're going to be taking over the world by 2023. Like it's, and you listeners get to be part of that. And I'm so excited about all that. So just yeah. thank you all for, for helping us uh, make this kind of a part of our, our sports lives. Yeah, this this could have been done and dusted very quickly. And had it not been for the unending support of the group of everyone and that this year, especially because I think we've all had different life scenarios and things happening that took us out of commission for a while, made it tough to get back into the swing and whether it was for happy moments or sad moments, I, I know personally, I got some really nice encouragement from listeners of the show. I know a lot of of people, a lot of you as hosts did. And, um, I just goes without saying that the, the listener family means the world, you know, it's, it's so cliche, but it's because it's true that 
we're not a fraction of what this is without you guys. A hundred percent. I would agree. There's so often that anytime we go to a game, anytime we uh, have run into and, and even if it's not in person, but just online uh, through DMS, just you guys hitting us up. Um, it really does mean the world to us. Uh, we love, you know, reading five star reviews. We've had five star reviews that we talk about on a weekly basis that literally we were like, wow, like if nothing else came from this show, that was a, that, that was worth it, you know, things like that. So we just want to say thanks again for listening. Um, we're closing out, uh, another year of our show. Uh, the show started in 2017, but this is our fifth season that we have been a part of the WNBA coverage. Um, and, uh, and can I just say not only the support that y'all show us, but so many others, uh, high post hoops, Windsider, um, Anila and her blog, uh, W hoops blogger on Twitter. Um, Rachel Galligan, um, so many others that do so much work to cover this league out of honestly, just the love of the game and the love of, of WNBA basketball. Um, and I'm I'm missing a pile here. I'm, I'm missing so many. You know, Christina Williams and Tarika Foster, like just just so many others that um, that put in tons and tons of work. And uh, just thanks for your support, not just for us, but for everybody. And uh, and we we appreciate that. So, um, with that being said, let's go ahead and wrap the show up. For WNBA Nation, the last bit of 2021, I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Jason Snell. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next year.